Hey, everybody. Welcome to LexaLine, brought to you in conjunction with our friends at Rug Radio, where we talk about the new and latest developments in Web3, NFT, blockchain, and crypto law. As always, nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a specific legal question, consult a lawyer and do it privately. Don't do it on a recorded Twitter space because these are live recorded spaces. You come up and join the conversation. You'll be rebroadcast across our platforms on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you miss us today, you can always catch the show later on podcast format. Wanted to talk a little bit today about one of the many things that's going on in the space, and that's the Tornado Cash uh, indictment that was just handed down. This is a big development for the space and I think has very huge implications. One of the things that's being debated pretty robustly is, is this a suppression of free speech by shutting down a software protocol or is this a criminal prosecution for the felicitation the felicitation for facilitating I should say for facilitating money laundering and fraud and whether the degree of input that the developers had in handling the protocol and in potentially, as is alleged by the government, enabling bad actors to use the protocol to facilitate money laundering. That's really the crux of the debate here. So for those who are not familiar with what happened, the DOJ dropped an indictment this week charging the founders of Tornado Cash with money laundering and sanctions violations. The two individuals that were charged are Roman Storm and Roman Semenow. They've been charged with operating Tornado Cash as a cryptocurrency mixer, allegedly laundering over $1 billion in criminal proceeds. The U.S. Department of Justice announced this unsealed indictment this week, and it details multiple counts, including conspiracy to commit money laundering, violations of the sanctions laws, and operating an unlicensed money transmitting business. That one is the most interesting of the three charges because that one is tied to KYC and AML standards, which is know your customer and anti-money laundering protocols that fintech imposes. And that's really going to be, I think, the crux of the debate here, whether what is happening with Tornado Cash should have been regulated under FinCEN and Should there have been standards in place to protect and to make sure that user information was collected and made available? So essentially, the government is maintaining in this case that the absence of AML and KYC mechanics meant that Tornado Cash service could be exploited by criminal enterprises and rogue countries to move around substantial sums of illicit money. And they allege that that's exactly what happened here, that $1 billion or more was was moved around based upon the abuse of this protocol. And the U.S. Department of the Treasury, through the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, is commonly tasked with laying out the specific guidelines that must be complied with when it comes to the reporting of transactions and to the record keeping with respect to the parties to those transactions. 
So what's really being tested in this case is the extent to which the tornado cash defendants are liable for failing to comply and implement these AML KYC standards. In other words, collecting the necessary identifying information for the customers who are using the platform in order to avoid the abuse of the platform for money laundering purposes. Of course, the counter to that argument is going to be that Tornado Cash is simply a software protocol that's used to transmit funds and that it is not, quote, a money transmitter as defined under federal law, 18 U.S.C. 1960. Now, being a criminal defense lawyer in the space, I'm seeing more and more criminal cases coming down when it comes to crypto and blockchain fraud that involve violations of this very offense, 18 U.S.C. 1960. It defines an unlicensed money transmitting business as a money transmitting business which affects interstate or foreign commerce in any manner or degree. So very, very broad in its application. And then it goes on and is operated without an appropriate money transmitting license in a state where such operation is punishable as a misdemeanor or felony under state law. So again, very broad. Federal jurisdiction can be acquired because you failed to get the proper licensure under the state that applies to your business. Whether or not the defendant knew that the operation was required to be licensed or that the operation was so punishable. So almost kind of strict liability. You don't, you don't have to know. You don't have to be aware. But if you are engaged in the business of transmitting money and you're doing it without a license and you're doing it regularly and you're not complying with the state licensing requirements, then you can fall under the umbrella of 18 U.S.C. 1960. So again, to continue on, the statute fails to comply with the money transmitting business registration requirements under the applicable code that it cites, otherwise involves the transportation or transmission of funds that are known to be, I'm sorry, that are known to the defendant to have been derived from a criminal offense or are intended to be used to promote or support unlawful activity. So very, very broad net here. The term, quote, money transmitting, quote, includes transferring funds on behalf of the public by any and all means, including but not limited to transfers within this country or to locations abroad by wire, check, draft, facsimile, or courier. So does a blockchain protocol that utilizes uh, anonymous protocols to pool together assets and then send them out fall under that qualification? Are they required to comply? Now, the defendants are accused of creating, operating, and promoting Tornado Cash, which is essentially a cryptocurrency mixing service that helps to facilitate uh, the movement of crypto. Many people cite that it has obviously very good legitimate uses because people want to keep their crypto transactions to the extent they can anonymous because since the blockchain is fully transparent, it's very easy to see who is holding what funds and what wallets. And that can certainly be uh, a dangerous thing for people who are worried about uh, their transactions being monitored. So people have praised Tornado Cash as being a means of being able to uh, avoid and to protect their anonymity while on the blockchain. 
Now, the government takes an opposite approach. The government takes the approach that uh, these services like Tornado Cash are used to launder criminal proceeds. And they go one step further in this indictment because they say that the defendants actually knew about these activities, but refused to implement the required controls necessary to uh, mitigate that potential risk or danger. So this has an aspect to it that ties to the North Korean government as well, and it ties into sanctions violations because the government uh, charges that they also helped to facilitate the Lazarus Group, which is sanctioned North Korean cybercrime organization, in transferring criminal proceeds from a cryptocurrency wallet. And it was widely reported that this was a violation and that the government obviously was looking very closely at this and that essentially Tornado Cash failed to implement any limitations in any way to mitigate against this possibility. So while the service has been portrayed as a platform that promotes financial privacy, as I said, the DOJ takes a very opposite approach when it comes to this, and they believe it's primarily used as a tool for large-scale money laundering and for evading sanctions, which is why those are the two counts in addition to the unlicensed money transmitter count. You've got money laundering and you've got these sanction violations. They uh, allege in their indictment that the defendants, the founders of Tornado Cash, who are charged in the indictment, were aware that a significant, this is, their, this is their take on it, a significant portion of the assets processed by Tornado Cash were illicit proceeds. And they also allege that the defendants knowingly facilitated these transactions, specifically with respect to the Lazarus Group. Now, a little bit of background on how it works. The Tornado Cash service allows users to conduct anonymous and virtually untraceable financial transactions on the Ethereum blockchain. Customers deposit their ETH into Tornado Cash, and they later can withdraw it into a new Ethereum address, avoiding any visible connection between the deposit and the withdrawal on the public Ethereum blockchain. The service integrates a user-friendly interface and smart contract technology to accomplish this. And then Tornado Cash pools all of this and mixes all the customer deposits and then utilizes a network of relays to then spread out the cryptocurrency. So in essence, it's like putting all the cryptocurrency, all the ETH in a dryer, tumbling it all together so you can no longer tell whose ETH is whose, and then taking out of the dryer and then dispersing it. So it's a layer of concealment of the original source of the ETH. And that's what frustrates the government when it comes to their ability to prosecute and uh, investigate money laundering. So this entire process has obviously raged a huge debate in the space because A, there are people on the pro-Tornado Cash side of this who view this as a First Amendment right that's being violated here, that it is silencing people in their ability to express through free speech, to support causes that may be controversial, to remain anonymous with respect to their crypto holdings. And the government, of course, takes a very opposite approach. Now, with respect to the money laundering side of this, money laundering is a pretty straightforward offense. It's essentially the business of taking what is illicit money and moving it around in a way to avoid the source and detection of that money. Businesses and 
defendants who do this uh, are violating the Bank Secrecy Act, which imposes very strict limitations on how you should identify the parties to a monetary transaction. It's often done through fraudulent bank accounts, fraudulent businesses. It's basically taking money and trying to make it look legitimate in order to avoid these reporting requirements and to avoid detection by the authorities. And Tornado Cash is now in the era of blockchain technology, a new and innovative tool that can be used to accomplish this. It doesn't have to be bulk cash anymore. It doesn't have to be fake bank accounts and structured deposits and all these other games that criminal enterprises have always played to try and avoid these reporting requirements. It now can be facilitated by way of the blockchain through this technology known as Tornado Cash. So the government essentially takes the position that the defendants in this case, they were not only the creators of this Tornado Cash platform, but they also allegedly were providing tips and guides for customers on how to ensure anonymity through the use of VPNs, through the use of the Tor browser, which is that very, very secret associated with the dark web uh, internet browsing protocol, the Onion protocol, so they, as, they've, as I've heard it called, and that they were aware that uh, they needed to integrate KYC and AML compliance in these services, but they deliberately chose not to. Essentially, deliberately were turning a blind eye to what was going on and how the protocol was being abused and did not implement any sort of mechanics to try and protect or avoid the abuse of the protocol. So that is essentially what is going on in this case. And it will prove to be a very interesting legal battleground. Um, the government is alleging that the founders profited through a token that they issued in connection with this protocol called TORN. And each uh, founder received in 2020 800,000 of these TORN tokens. These tokens were initially locked away. According to the indictment in early 2022, the TORN tokens had an estimated value of $30 each. This value increased to about $47 after implementation of the Relayer Registry in March 2nd of 2022. You can look at the indictment for more on that. I don't want to get too in the weeds on all of this. But the founders essentially aimed to increase Tornado Cash's services to increase its profitability, to increase the token's uh, value. And throughout 2022, there are allegations that the tokens were sold. And the government alleges that the Ronin network hack, which is another one of these hacks that was alleged in the indictment, which was a kind of a major sea change event here, March of 22, the Ronin network, which operates the Ronin blockchain, announced a security breach. According to the indictment, the Ronin blockchain is used for online video games like Axie Infinity, which a lot of us are familiar with, that NFT-based video game. And the hackers gained unauthorized access to five of the nine validator nodes and used that to execute transactions on the Ronin network bridge. This was very widely reported in the space. And the nodes then helped to move the cryptocurrency between the Ronin blockchain and other blockchains, such as ETH. And as a result, $620 million worth of ETH was stolen. Tornado Cash is alleged to be involved in that Ronin network uh, hack. The government is charging that the founders 
um, utilizing this tornado cash mixing service were immediately aware of the incident that happened in Ronan and that the suspected hackers might have used their platform to launder the stolen assets. And they allege that at least $455 million is traceable back to and was funneled through Tornado Cash. So very, very serious allegations. The loss numbers in this case under the money laundering count are going to be very high because we're talking about a billion dollars allegedly laundered. So it will be interesting to see. And I'm curious if anyone has any thoughts on this indictment. I'm, I'm thinking, yes, there are plenty of thoughts on both sides as to whether this is purely a First Amendment free speech violation, shutting down a software protocol. And then the flip side of that debate is, no, this is allegedly clear-cut fraud and abuse of the platform and enabling uh, by the founders of the platform to facilitate fraud. How a jury is going to look at this and how the motion practice is going to go down and all of this will largely set the table for this legal battle. So that's kind of my rundown of what's going on with Tornado Cash. And I'm going to send everybody off for this Friday. If you missed it, you can always check later on the podcast format and catch this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed this, and I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And we will be back at it next week. And I'm sure there'll be many, many more things to talk about, things I haven't even had a chance to talk about, including Nate's sentence to three years in federal prison and all of the other things going on in this space. But we'll try the best we can to keep up with it all. Wanted to stay on topic today and just talk about Tornado Cash. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you get some value out of this content. So thank you all for joining, and have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend.